everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Lighthearted. My name is Anna. And my name is Bracey, and we're two average gals chatting about what it means to grow. How are you growing this week? To be totally honest, I don't know that I am. I am, at this point, very pregnant and just doing my best, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Taking as good a care of myself as I can manage with low energy. Yeah. Do you think that the body, like, forces you to rest and be so exhausted like the last few weeks of pregnancy, especially because the body knows that you're about to gear up to be really tired for a little bit. I wish that I thought that. Uh, (laughs) But I think like, I mean, you hear about pregnancy insomnia at the end Mm. and how it's so annoying because everybody tells you just to like rest and sleep as much as you can because you won't get to sleep when the baby's here. And like, Mm -hmm. that makes total sense. But like, if I can't sleep, I can't sleep. So I think it would make more sense if pregnancy insomnia didn't exist. And then you would be like resting and right, you know, whatever. I think it's more that your body's just tired from carrying around such a big extra load. (laughs) (laughs) You like your joints and ligaments and stuff are all loosey goosey anyways. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Right. I was just I was trying to apply some logic here, but it appears that there is none to be found. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't says, think there's a lot of logic about pregnancy in general. To be totally yeah. honest, That's, that makes sense. How are you growing? I would say the main way I've been growing the last couple weeks or so is, you know, I talked on here a little while ago about how. I wanted to really focus on like taking care of my body this school year because so much of my anxiety and stress like manifests in my body. And I actually made some appointments. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm starting acupuncture in a couple weeks and I'm really excited. Just need to set up a massage here soon and then I'll be really proud of myself. That's amazing. I've been going to the chiropractor a lot and it is great and also feels like a lot of work. Yeah. Are you enjoying it? Yes. I, it was an adjustment. I had never been to the chiropractor hey. before. <laughs> was it an adjustment? <laughs> wow. Uh, nice one. I wasn't expecting all the popping and cracking, which I guess I should have been expecting because it's a chiropractor. But mm-hmm, like she didn't mm-hmm. warn me the first time she did my neck. And I was like pretty startled. So that was not awesome. But yeah. In general, it's helping, I think, but I also am going like three times a week, which is just a lot of times. So, Oh, wow. That yeah. is a lot. Are yeah. they – why are you going? Well, originally I was going because she was breached. I was doing everything I could to get her to not be breached right. and to turn around. Um, and so I set up – it's not three times every week, but it was like three times one week, two times one week, three times one week, two times one week. It still feels like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um So I went ahead and set up like four weeks of appointments, like up until closer to my due date. Mm -hmm. And then when the, which I know we'll talk about in this episode, but when Mm -hmm. the midwives got her turned around, I didn't cancel it because my pelvic pain was to the point where I was trying to get relief from that too. Okay. So do you feel like it's been helpful? I do. My pelvic pain is not gone, but I think it's better. So, and it makes me feel better just that I'm trying something, you know, Mm -hmm. like before I had tried everything that I could possibly do on my own and just having the mental reassurance that like somebody else is helping me. It's nice. Yeah. (laughs) So medical professionals supervising. Right. 
Well, speaking of all these baby things, today's episode is really exciting. We're doing a trimester two and three update. And I'm really excited because I truly have learned so much about pregnancy. And I know that like your experience, of course, is not exactly like everybody else's, but I don't know. I feel like this stuff is super helpful to share because there definitely are going to be similarities with other people's pregnancies and things that you'll maybe teach them or it gives them an opportunity to write in and tell us stuff that we have never heard of. Cause there's just so much information out there, but I feel like I've learned so much from you. Yeah. And I feel like, I think I probably said this on the first trimester one, but I think before I was kind of in the camp of like, oh, it'll be fine if I don't know everything, like, cause I'll have to experience it anyways. And like, mm-hmm. I'd rather not dread anything, but I found now being in it that like more information is better. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's just jump in. Can we give a quick little reminder about how first trimester was? It was terrible. And I can, <laughs> I feel like when I was in it, I was like trying to convince myself that it wasn't terrible, but it was truly terrible. And mm-hmm. if you go back and listen to the last pregnancy episode, I talk about like some of the things that I would have done differently. And I do think that those things will help me next time. But I also just know now I'm going into it that there's a possibility that it might be terrible and eventually it will get better. One thing that I'm not sure if I mentioned on that, because I'm not sure if I was going at the time, is I started seeing a physical therapist like pretty shortly after my first trimester, I think, for the back pain that I was having. And I think that was helpful. And I probably would have done it sooner Mm -hmm. had I known. Um, But I also think that that was really impacted. Like my back pain was worse because I had such a terrible time and like was just spending a lot of time horizontal. Like there was no other situation there. So that was first trimester. Okay. (laughs) In a word. Horrific. Yeah. Um, Okay. So tell us about how trimester two went. Okay. I feel like there was a short window of time where I like finished PT and my back wasn't hurting anymore and my pelvis wasn't hurting yet. And I had so much energy and motivation. We got so much done in the second Mm -hmm. trimester. It was not like that, that really nice period of time was not that long actually, but just in general, the second trimester, I feel like we got so, so much done. So I made a list. I'm going to go fast because it's long. Okay. We upholstered two benches. I'm going to say two benches because Seb was literally working on it a little bit before I came up here. We're almost done with the second one. Um, We did the half bath trim, vanity and ceiling. I painted all of that. Uh, We emptied the guest bedroom out for the nursery. I purged the house and the closets. I reorganized all the closets. I painted the second bathroom. I cleaned our rugs downstairs I sanded and refinished a a vintage trunk that I have. I sanded and painted the vanity doors in the second bath. I refreshed our dining room. We got a new sideboard and hung some things in there. I sourced furniture for the nursery. We trimmed the azalea bushes back, had the cars cleaned, did a baby registry, planned two showers actually with help, obviously. Sold some things on Facebook Marketplace, painted the nursery, wrote a bunch of thank you notes, worked ahead on this podcast. Mm -hmm. I sorted a bunch of like keepsakes that I had from my childhood from the attic. 
I did a nursery dresser DIY, um, painted the laundry room, cleaned our windows on the outside, cleaned and rearranged our room, like kind of deep cleaned the floors and stuff, set up our nursery, washed a bunch of baby stuff, and organized the kitchen and pantry, which I'm not 100% finished on, but will finish today. Okay. <laughs> and that was mostly just my list. Seb did a bunch of like, he, he built a Murphy bed, did a bunch of stuff in our guest room to like yeah. get it set up, scraped the ceiling in the nursery, planted some things and handled some weeds in the yard, installed a new mailbox, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for real. That yeah. is so much stuff. That's like, yeah. I mean, it's y'all's version of nesting. It's like, 100%. what projects can we do? <laughs> yeah. And I'm always like, can I get one more thing in? Like, just mm-hmm. one more, you know? Is there anything else? <laughs> that's incredible, though. That's like a huge list. And I'm sure y'all feel so good in the house now. Not that you didn't before, but just yeah, it was, it's really nice to have a lot of things that have just been like sitting on the back burner, just like buttoned up. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to do this while I had energy because I know that like that's not going to be my priority for the next like six months at least. Right, right. And there's a I did save a couple of like little projects to that I think I can do like in in nap times and things like that for my own sanity. Um, yeah, but I, we got the big stuff done and feeling good about it. That's amazing. I'm so excited for y'all. Yeah. Okay, so. Obviously, a huge difference between first trimester and the rest of your pregnancy is that you've actually had energy. Yes. And motivation. (laughs) Like, I just wanted to even because like towards the end of my second trimester is when the pelvic pain started. And so even with that, I was just I would have to sit down because my body would be screaming at me to sit down. But I would Mm -hmm. just be like, oh, I just want to get up and like do more things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, give us an update on how the food stuff has gone because I know in first trimester it was a, a big contributor to like why it was so terrible. Yeah. Yes. Stomach and like nausea was bad in the first trimester. So I ended up losing like 16 pounds in the first trimester, which obviously don't recommend, but baby's mm-hmm. fine. Midwives weren't ever like especially concerned. Like obviously right. they didn't want me to keep losing weight, but it was okay. Second trimester, I definitely got some of my appetite back. And there are certain things that I can always feel pretty good about eating. Like weirdly, this is, I wouldn't say this is a craving and I haven't really had any cravings, but like bagels and cream cheese have been something that I've been able to eat like very consistently through Mm -hmm. my second and third trimester, which is funny because I don't usually like bagels that much. Oh, interesting. I don't have anything against bagels, but I'm kind of in the camp of like, why would you eat a bagel when you can have a biscuit? Oh, sure. Yeah. Big biscuit girl. Right. So, but I've eaten so many bagels. <laughs> like specifically the, the second trimester, I feel like I haven't had any recently, but like breakfast carbs, muffins and things like that have been uh-huh. pretty solid and pasta has been a good go-to. But outside of that, I would say that most of the time I'm like not that interested in eating. and. Some days, yeah. mm -hmm. Okay. I would say that like maybe 60% of the time, 70% of the time, I'm not interested in eating, like can't think of anything I really want. And the rest of the time I'm freaking starving and or have something very specific that I need to eat, like pasta. Um, Okay. So that's really weird because I'm usually 
like pretty open to food and like enjoy eating. It's been yeah. really odd. I also in the third trimester had to make adjustments. I think I mentioned on here that I ended up passing out, which now mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident is a combo of like not having enough food, anemia, coming off COVID, being in the heat, like a couple of things. But like, I've just had to be really careful about making sure I'm eating enough through the de- throughout the day because it's like I- I'm having to apply myself to eat. Right. It's really weird. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, typically not how people move through the world. <laughs> like, yeah. Your yeah. body, you just respond to your hunger cues and, you know, people eat multiple times a day and it's just part of your, it's part of your day to day. Right. And in the third trimester, your calorie requirements are go up. Like that's really when you need to be eating more than normal, Okay. Um, which eating for two is not a thing. You're supposed to consume like 450 to 500 more calories in your third trimester than normal. So okay. it's not like an outrageous amount, but it does feel like I, I used to not eat breakfast. That's not an option anymore. Mm-hmm. I really have to eat every few hours. Like today I went to chiro- the chiropractor without having a snack before and like could tell that that was probably not the best choice by the yeah. time I got back. I'm curious if like after the baby comes and your, you know, things in your body start to like regulate and kind of go back to normal. Like I'm curious how that will change with your hunger. Well, fun fact when you're breastfeeding, you need 500 more calories than you did in your third trimester. So yeah, isn't that fascinating? (laughs) (laughs) I knew that breastfeeding, I've heard before that it like burns a lot of calories, but I don't think I thought about like, oh, so that means like you need to eat. You need to be eating Mm -hmm. even more. But that's interesting that you need to eat more than you do even when you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. So... I'm already like a little nervous about that. Hopefully my, I have heard that like your appetite kind of immediately goes back to what it was, which will be great because then it'll be easier for me to feed myself in general. Um, Yeah, for sure. I've been like having to rack my brain for like what kind of snacks I can have on hand, Mm -hmm. things like that. So, okay. How has it been for Seb in the second and third trimester? Do you feel like it's becoming more like real to him? It's definitely real to him. And because I think we talked about in the first trimester, he like kind of wasn't as excited as I anticipated and Mm -hmm. had a little bit of like worry about losing the baby. But he's been really excited. He says a lot that he just wishes she was here. (laughs) But also, (laughs) I feel like he's... I don't know what, I don't know. He also started a new job. So like there have been other factors that could be impacting this, but I feel like his mental faculties are like, like he has almost has pregnancy brain sometimes. <laughs> he sympathetic. Uh, yeah. Pregnancy brain. Like he has never been the kind of person that like, I feel like doesn't listen or like, I feel like I have to repeat myself a lot. And that's been happening all the time recently. Like I finally was like, Seb, you realize that I've, repeat I'm repeating myself like not just one time like on all of these subjects like what's going on he was like I don't know <laughs> like, I, I don't I don't know yeah so we're just we've been working around that which I know I talked about the notion boards but like that's helped because I instead yeah. of having to be like you know nagging him about things I'm just like can you refer to the notion board because like the notes of what we talked about are in there right 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 um <laughs> 
Uh, he also has been like far less motivated to do things than normal, which is odd. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I do think that probably has a lot to do with like starting a new job and that was mentally taxing for him. So like there wasn't sure. a lot left over, but there was a point at which I started to get a little nervous because I was like, I feel like you have a lot left on your pre-baby list and we don't have that much time left. <laughs> and baby is coming real soon. Yeah. So that my that's the one place I feel like my anxiety has like kicked up a little bit. I was like, this is the one place where I don't feel like I have control. I don't want to nag him because like it isn't the end of the world if these things don't get done. But like sure. it's weird that he's <laughs> pregnancy brain and like lack of motivation. Yeah. At this time. So like this is the last time. Like I feel like his behavior has just been a little different than I anticipated. <laughs> so it's been yeah. funny to watch. Yeah, well, and I feel like maybe, like, we should have seen this coming because he was trying to, like, steal your pillow. He still does that. Like, a long time ago (laughs) that you needed for your knees. He's a real big fan of that uh, pillow between the knees, so. Well, I mean, I'm happy that he found it, but I'm just saying we should have. He's been trying to be the one that's pregnant a little bit this whole time. I mean, if he wants to do it next time, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, that sounds great. Oh, man, that's funny. But yes, overall, he is very, very excited. I couldn't tell you how he's going to be during labor. So we'll see about that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that is going to be interesting. Do you want to talk at all about kind of your birth plan? Yeah, probably should because I feel like it's a little different than most people. Yeah. Um, We are working with a midwifery in Raleigh and... Did you have a comment on that? I was just going to say that that is like a funny word. <laughs> it is a funny word. And Seb has such a hard time pronouncing it. He wants to say midwifery every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whenever you say wifery, I'm like, I, I just, I want to giggle. So there's four midwives and I see all of them like on a mm-hmm. kind of a rotating basis a little bit. So whoever's on call when I go into labor is who will deliver me, which I think is a cool model because then you don't have the pressure of like, I know that statistically OBGYN births. And inductions and C-sections happen more often towards the end of the week because sometimes the doctor just wants to be off for the weekend and not having to wait for you to have a baby naturally, which blows. But like, you know, they're it's one person and they want time off too, which makes sense. So the midwife model kind of prevents that because there's somebody that's on call 24 hours, like for a 24-hour rotation. Yeah. And they have coverage, which is nice. So... They will deliver me, but they will deliver me in the hospital, which is the best of both worlds. So it really is. They, the model there is like low intervention. They're they're aiming for less intervention, but if I do want an epidural, I can ask for one. So that's great. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. So I would like to try to birth without any intervention, like sure. and that. that not just um, an epidural, but I would like to avoid an induction if possible too. But we'll see. I know that birth never goes the way you plan. So yeah, I will say one really interesting thing about working with them is that they have a cervical protocol that you have to do starting at 37 weeks, which it's proprietary. So I won't talk about everything that I do, but it has changed their statistics against like, if you look at their statistics for induction, C-section, all of those things, even, mm-hmm. um, like, how early their their patients go into labor versus the rest of the hospital, like, their outcomes are, quote-unquote, better. So, Interesting. Yeah. So, that's been really cool. Um, so, the cervical protocol will hopefully help 
with me going to the labor sooner. I think they their average, their patient average is like 39 and a half weeks. Okay. And hopefully my labor will be shorter and hopefully I will not need a C-section. Yes. Fingers crossed for all those things. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Well, maybe not lovely, but it sounds like as lovely as it having a baby come through a tiny hole. Yeah. Um, can possibly be. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, is the cervical thing the dates? Yeah. Or is so, it more than that? Yeah. I feel like the dates, they're what most people know about. Like dates ripen your cervix. So you're supposed to eat like six-ish a day. I have, have been, doing been doing that. that? Yes. You have. Do you um, like dates? I do like dates. They're very sweet and eating the same thing every day is hard for me in general. Like I'm just not, Yeah, I get sick of things like that. So I've had to mix it up a little bit with how I eat them. Okay. That was going to be my question was, do you put them in like smoothies or anything like that? Or do you yes. have to eat them more like? No, you just have to consume okay. them. So like Seb actually bought the dates before... I hit 37 weeks and I was like, I know that you want to make this one recipe that has dates in it, but like, I can't eat a lot of this before 37 weeks. Cause then I'm going to be really sick of them, but it yeah. was, um, goat cheese and pistachios stuffed in the dates, oh, um, interesting. which was good. And they're good with peanut butter. It's kind of like a peanut butter cup almost. Mm-hmm. And we also, we haven't done this yet, but we have a recipe for like a harvest quinoa bowl and it has dates on top. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. So, so far so good on that. Um, one of the other things that I feel like is pretty common knowledge is red raspberry leaf tea. So I drink at least two cups a day, two to four cups a day. Whoa. Yeah. And luckily, yeah, yeah. That's what I was about to say. Luckily it's really good because if I didn't like it, that would have been a really tough sell and I can be kind of particular about tea. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. And the weirdest one is I have to use the breast pump three times a day because there is, I actually looked the science up on this cause it was fascinating, but like mm-hmm. using the breast pump is like known to induce labor faster, have shorter labor, all of those other things that the cervical protocol like encourages, which That's is so interesting. It's so weird. And it's, Honestly, like the whole protocol, I didn't say everything that was on it, but like the whole protocol is kind of time consuming. Like I have to sit down and pump three times a day for 15 minutes. And really last time I was there, she was like, you can do it four times a day if you want. And I was like, I know that I want the baby to come out sooner rather than later. But also like at what point is my life just revolving around this protocol? Right. And just preparing yeah. to hopefully have a shorter labor. <laughs> right. I mean, is that, can you do, can you breast pump both at the same time? Yes. You're supposed to. Okay. Bre- well, you're that's actually good. supposed to do that. So. Okay. Least, yeah. And I, I like have 30 minutes. I will lot. say I've gotten, like, I've gotten used to the pump. So that's nice. That's like yeah. one less thing I'll have to learn how to do after the baby's here. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, and you know, if it makes labor easier, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. We are pro easier labors on this podcast. Yep. Although neither have experience, we're just, we're pro easy labors. I mean, for everybody. I hope everybody has an easy labor. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, okay. Well, something else that we need to talk about in thinking about your cervical health <laughs> down there. <laughs> I'm sure you want us all thinking about it. Um, 
baby was breech. Yes. She so was. So let's let's talk about that because that was a little stressful. It was stressful. I was that was maybe the thing that I've been most worried about. Well, I was pretty worried about the gestational diabetes situation too, which, mm. you know, was also fine. Mm. Um but the breech thing I so I found out when we went in for our last ultrasound, which was right before, it was like the day before I hit 35 weeks. So they say that most babies have turned around by like 35, 36 weeks. And unfortunately, the way it worked, I like didn't have an in-person appointment. I was supposed to have a telehealth appointment and like something went wrong. And I ended up not being able to like directly speak to the midwife. She left a message. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't able to like ask questions, which didn't help anything. And she sounded concerned about it. So I was like, you know, starting to be concerned. She did say to start spinning babies exercises, which is like a pretty common thing for breech babies, I think, which involves spending a lot of time upside down. So I Mm -hmm. did that. And it was just like a lot of exercises, stretches, and again, that was like one of the things that it felt like a full-time job a little bit, trying to like get her to turn around. And by my next appointment, she was still breech. And so I went in really, really nervous. This whole time I'd been really nervous. And when I got there, two of the midwives and a student that they had working with them come in the room and they're like, okay, we're going to try to turn her around. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> because I, in my brain, there's this procedure called an ECV, which you have to go to the hospital for. They often give a light epidural for it because it's very painful and they want your muscles relaxed where they manually press on your stomach to get the baby to turn around. And everything I've read online is like, it can be as painful as birth. So I was like, super, mm, don't yeah, want that. Great. So they come in and they're like, we're going to try to turn her around. And I'm thinking like, is this the procedure or like... And they were like, no, it's not. It's, they literally just put jelly on my belly. And I think one of the midwives just, I don't know if it's even something that's taught. I think she's just kind of good at it. She Mm -hmm. wiggled under where the baby's feet were to get her to tuck her feet up a little bit. Okay. And just kind of like gently pressed on my belly really, really slowly in a circle. And she just turned around. It took less than 10 minutes and it didn't hurt. And I was like, why did nobody tell me that this was possible? Because I've spent the last however many days, like really panicked about her not, you know, not being able to get turned around or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that, you know, obviously most people know, I think like if the baby is a breach, like having a vaginal birth is like just not really an option. Right. Well, I think you can birth breach. Like, I think it's possible. I just don't know if the midwives would have done that. Like, I think Mm. they might have pushed me towards a C-section. But again, I didn't get to ask my question. So, like, it was – I feel like the lack of information was, like, part of the problem with the anxiety there. But it was fine. She turned around. It was, like, That's amazing. Yeah. So, I don't know if that's an option for, like, everybody. If anybody's listening in in a similar situation, I don't know that that's even, like, a thing that most midwives do. But yeah pretty incredible. I mean, it sounds like she was just acting like your tummy was like a DJ booth. Yeah. And just like really slowly spinning the record. Yeah. (laughs) Baby was like, oh, okay. You want me to go this way? Got it. (laughs) One of the other funny, funny things about this pregnancy 
is that same ultrasound when we found out she was breached. Um, the tech, which the ultrasounds are the only things that Seb can really come with me to. So he gets mm-hmm. really excited about them. And he's sitting there and the tech goes, um, she's in the 53rd percentile for growth. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's like average. That's what we want. I don't want a huge baby coming out of me. I yep. can avoid it. And Seb goes, what does HC stand for? Because he's like looking at the screen and reading the statistics. Right. And she goes, head circumference. And it was 94%. So <gasps> our baby has a giant head. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, that's unfortunate. But That is unfortunate. But... That was at 35 weeks, and I was like, you know what? That is unfortunate, but I'm just going to, in my brain, I'm just going to say that for the rest of the pregnancy, her head's not going to get any bigger, but her body might get bigger. So, like, yeah. it'll even itself out. Yeah, she's going to be proportionate. The dates are working. Right. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Easy so peasy. Maybe that's not true, but in my head, that's what's happening. Yep. Yep. <laughs> We're going to manifest it. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm so thrilled that... She turned so good. Yep. Way to and, go, baby girl. Yeah. And the funny thing is, as soon as they got her turned around, I started feeling way, like significantly more pregnant than I did before. Mm-hmm. I feel so much bigger than I did. Um, so that's funny. Do you feel like you have to pee more often now that her head is down there? Not really. Uh, she is a big fan of being up in my ribs. So I feel like she's mm-hmm. just like, you know, occasionally when she moves, I'll like, feel the jolt of my like her hitting my bladder but Mm -hmm. it's not been that part has not been as bad as i thought okay that's good um all right well what about just like other information that has been going on or things that you've learned in these last few months i've been trying to make notes on this stuff while i was going through it so that i didn't forget anything Mm -hmm. um one thing that's been interesting is that my hair, skin, and nails have changed. And I feel like a lot of people, I don't know if you've heard this, but I had heard that like prenatals are good for like your hair growing and your nails growing long or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't actually think it's the prenatals. I think it's the pregnancy hormones because Mm -hmm. I don't take prenatals. I take like a bunch of vitamins and individual pills because the prenatals I had tasted like fish, which when you're nauseous is not awesome. Yeah. Um, they also have a type of iron in them that can cause constipation and that's not what I needed at the time. So mm-hmm. I switched to like getting everything in individual pills and that was, that's been good. Um, but my hair doesn't get greasy. It, I can like, I have never been, I've always been the person who I had to wash my hair every 48 hours, like on the dot or it was mm-hmm. like a grease ball. I can go at least a week. I don't, I've never stretched it past a week, but at least a week without even dry shampoo. What? Yeah. It's crazy. Also, I had like not terrible back acne, but like I had some acne on my back. It's totally gone. I have no like issues with stuff on my face. I think I've maybe mm-hmm. had two pimples since I've been pregnant. And Incredible. yeah, it's crazy. And like my skin. I don't even have to put put moisturizer on. Like before it was like, you know, when you get out of the shower and your face just feels like it, like moisture would be really good. Yeah. It's a little tight. It doesn't feel like that anymore. My skin's just like good to go on its own. 
That's so nice. Yeah. yeah. That's been the best, for sure, the best change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my, yeah. Oh, yeah. With the hair stuff, my psoriasis is gone. I had psoriasis on my scalp and it's just not there anymore. Yeah. So I wonder, hopefully that'll just continue. Like I'm sure be, it won't yeah, maybe amazing. to like the, I'm sure you'll probably have to go back to washing your hair. Yeah. <laughs> I would guess, but, um, but yeah, maybe some of that stuff will just be like, okay, we're done with this. That would be really great, especially the psoriasis part. Like if it could just be gone forever, that would be amazing. Yeah. Another thing that I didn't anticipate is that I just feel really full all the time. So like even outside of it not being really interested in eating, I just like feel like there's no space in my stomach to eat Mm -hmm. a lot of times. Mm And that's been consistent from the beginning, which you would think like when, cause I didn't really get a, a big belly until halfway through my second trimester, maybe. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't it, like, it wasn't, it's not related to my size. It's just, I feel really full all the time, which is weird. Yeah. That uh, is weird. Insomnia. My insomnia was this pretty much the same up until maybe two weeks ago. And then like the real pregnancy insomnia kicked in. So that's like not being able to get to sleep and also being awake for like several hour stretches in the middle of the night and then being really, really tired the next day because I'm already really tired just in general. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So fun. Yeah. And then the other thing is baby movements are different than I anticipated. Like at first it was like cute little flutters and like rolls like that. You can feel the difference in a kick and like a wiggle, Mm -hmm. which I didn't know. And now it just feels like there's a straight up alien in my belly. So it's like really big and sometimes like uncomfortably painful. Like mm. not not really painful, but like it doesn't feel great anymore. <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah, cute yeah. anymore. Is there are there certain like positions that you can be in that like make you feel better? Or at this point is it just like it all just feels not that great? I would say most of the time during the day, I feel okay. And then towards the afternoon, she starts to scoot up by my ribs, which the expansion near your ribs is something that I didn't anticipate. And it's for sure the most uncomfortable part for me. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. off my rib cage, there's probably a good two inches of just like extra stuff that's not normally there. Okay. And like she wedges herself up there so hard that like I can sometimes feel her feet which I'm like, can you just like child of mine, can you please get out of my ribs? Right. Um, so once that part of the day hits, like there's not, I can't really bend forward without it it being really uncomfortable. Okay. So I either have to sit up really straight stand or lay down. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And the pelvic pain has been the hardest part of the third trimester for sure. For sure. Uh, and it, I don't know what I thought it would be. I know that not everybody has pelvic pain, but basically there's like a dull aching pain in the middle of my legs Mm -hmm. that is there most of the time. Like, uh, like oftentimes, even if I'm sitting, it still hurts. Yeah. But then there's also what what they call lightning crotch, which is basically where (laughs) like the bones of your pelvis, where they come together, it like, it feels like it's kind of rubbing a little bit and then it's a shooting pain. So, oh man. Yeah. Rolling over in bed is like very hard for me at this point. And luckily the chiropractor is helping, 
but it's not gone. So I don't know. I don't have any answers on that one. And then some of the other things that I've learned, I haven't had to deal with Brexton Hicks, but I did find out this was such a fun fact. It's either caused by dehydration or your bladder being too full, which those two things are pretty contradictory. So interesting. Yeah. That's um, very interesting. I wonder if you're like one or the other, like the, like your, your body chooses one, like it's either always yeah. that you're dehydrated or always that your bladder's too full or yeah. if they like go back and forth. I think you're right. Um, I think that there are people who, you know, like get busy and forget to go to the bathroom. And so like probably <laughs> if they're having Braxton Hicks, it's because they're not using the bathroom often enough. But then I also myself, I didn't even say this, but I have been so thirsty. Like I cannot get myself caught up on hydration for some reason. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't matter how much water I drink during the day. I'm yeah. still not hydrated. And so I, if it had happened to me, I would think that would be why. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, that was just a funny thing that I learned. That is really interesting. Speaking of learning, one of the things that I've had to reckon with is just the overload of information. Mm -hmm. And this is a a tough one because I feel like so much of it is like marketed at the mom and not the dad, which makes me annoyed. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Um, So like my for you page on Instagram or whatever is so, so many reels about like how to get your baby to sleep through the night, breastfeeding tips, like all these things that I sometimes want the information and like, it's nice to have. And I do think Instagram is a really cool place to learn things like that from people. But at some point there was, I like, I did reach a point where I was like, I am trying too hard to take in information and I'm overwhelmed and I need to just like cool it for a couple of days. Like I'm not going to click on any of these. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Self-imposed ban. Take that algorithm down a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, this is not good. There's also so many competing ideas and like Mm -hmm. opinions about things. And I'm a firm believer that you have to make choices for yourself and your family. And like what works for you does not need to be what everybody else does. So, And I would imagine like there's, you know, you can take in information to a point, but then it's just going to kind of be like what works for you. And you're not going to know that until she's here. Yeah, exactly. So, um, the sleeping thing was really hard for me because I was like, sleep is so important to me. And I do want to do everything I can to like, make sure she sleeps as much as she can. But there's so many variables. I don't know like how she's going to be naturally sleeping. Right. And I was at some point I was like this, like all of this is not helping me. It's making more, yeah. me more anxious. So I'm just going to stop. Yeah. But it's good to know like when she's here, if you are running into things where you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, there's resources out there. There's not a lack yes. of resources. <laughs> right. And I did, I, when I was making that decision, I decided that I would finish the two books I was reading that had sections on sleep. And make notes on what they said and then call it. Like I have two very well-informed opinions on this and I've, you know, read other things here and there. And based on those things, we'll like do the best we can. And that's going to have to be enough. Yeah. And that's perfectly, that's wonderful. Yeah. And also on the topic of making choices for yourself, there are, you know, a lot of like random things that pregnant people are not quote unquote supposed to do. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think I recommended that the book Expecting Better before when we talked about this, but that's familiar. Yeah. 
she is, I think, an economist, but she, or like, she does something professionally where she has to interpret statistics and like how effective a study is, like how mm-hmm. it was set up and like whether, I don't know, how, how the um, variables in this study impact the outcome and things like that. So she took those skills and used them to interpret a lot of the studies that are used to say like, you're not supposed to have caffeine when you're pregnant. You're not supposed to have sushi when you're pregnant, like all of those things. And I really appreciated that because I like to see the numbers. And she also laid it out in a way where you could make your own choices from, yeah. you know, what she has read in the studies. So caffeine is like, you know, I don't drink a lot of caffeine anyway. So my caffeine intake was like under the recommended amount. That was fine. Yeah. Sushi I've eaten because the midwives actually recommended omega-3s or like fish is good for babies. You just don't want to eat anything too high in mercury. So I've avoided like tuna and things like that. Right. There's a whole thing about like deli meat, soft cheese, whatever. And queso is like one of the things that has had listeria in it more often in the U.S. than anything else. So like I haven't eaten queso oh, since I've been pregnant. But, like again, these are like my choices, not yeah anybody else's. I don't care what you do. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the other thing is, which I know I'll probably get some pushback on this. Actually, if you're listening and you have a problem with this, don't at me. Uh, I have a glass of wine here and there in, I don't, I don't think I had one till like towards the end of my second trimester. Cause I just wasn't like, I just didn't want anything, but yeah, a glass of wine, it, uh, you know, at the end of the day has been nice every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and the general consensus from what I read in that book is that the alcohol doesn't reach the placenta because you're only having one glass and the studies that those one, at least one of the studies that that um, recommendation was based off of it monitored a mother's drinking and like took that into account, but didn't take into account whether they were on cocaine. So like mm-hmm. were the issues with the babies from the alcohol or was it from the cocaine? Also drink really slowly. I'm mm-hmm. still, yeah, um, I feel fine about it. And mm-hmm. now that she's fully baked, I'm like, well, you come come right on out and we will have a glass of wine together. Because I learned that as long as you're, uh, basically as long as you're not hammered while you're breastfeeding, like <laughs> oh, actively right. breastfeeding after like four drinks, sure. the alcohol in milk actually removes at the same rate as your blood alcohol. So the alcohol in your milk actually leaves the milk. It doesn't sit in there just the same way as your like blood alcohol content. So when you sober up, your milk is just like good. And the tiny, tiny amount of alcohol that was in it to begin with is gone. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. This is a, this is like an interesting one. And I, I actually am working with somebody that is pregnant right now. And now that, yeah, now that they're like out of their first trimester, like having like one glass of something like every once in a while is just like, it's totally fine. I feel like there's a lot of fear around it. And yet, like you said, like not getting hammered, like that's not, (laughs) that would not not be good. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like having a glass of wine or whatever every once in a while is 
okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your trimester two and trimester three experience with us. It's a lot of information and we appreciate you telling us the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, thanks for caring. It's kind of fun to talk about. I guess we'll have to do another like recap in a couple of months when I have a postpartum phase to talk about. Also, there's a strong possibility that by the time this episode airs, I will have a baby. Yeah, it's it's definitely a possibility. And I I honestly hope so. I hope Same. that baby is here by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I we've been taking like guesses on when her due date is. So mm-hmm. let's just go ahead and memorialize it here. What is your guess? My guess is October 7th. Okay, well, we will report back on whether Anna is correct or not. Yep, we sure will. Please send us an email at lightheartedpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions um, for us, any comments, any good tips. And follow along on Instagram at lightheartedpod. Talk to you soon. Bye.